Having accurate statistics about crimes and other incidents is important, and it's even more important to understand the human cost of the safety and security problems that this industry is not fully acknowledging. This hearing, along with other hearings and inquiries I've made into the cruise industry since I've been chairman, are about one thing, and it's called accountability. When it comes to the cruise industry, we've been doing our job. We've held hearings, we've analyzed the data, we've talked to many different people with experiences in this industry. This oversight has led us to very clearly to the conclusion that we have to act. We need legislation to protect consumers. When an industry opposes even the most basic public disclosure about its conduct, it suggests to me, frankly, that it has something to hide. In spite of the cruise industry's talk about taking responsibility for their passengers, cruise companies sometimes treat their customers with shocking callousness and disregard. My words are harsh because I'm, I'm angry about this. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio with your host, Tim Banal. No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules. And really, uh, after an intro like that, I guess you can say no comparison. I don't know what <laughs> is going on here on Blog Talk, but they didn't play our uh, our fancy intro. Welcome to another edition of BOA Audio, my friends. Very excited about this one. As I was just saying to our guest, uh, when we had him on the show a couple of years ago, the, the episode just blew up, and we got so much feedback to it. People were just absolutely riveted by it. And a lot of people said the same thing over and over again. At first, they were like, what is this What is a, what is a strange topic for a strange show? I mean, usually we do paranormal stuff, but this was talking about cruise ship safety and all the folks who have been victims of uh, the nefarious cruise ship industry, really. The negligent cruise ship industry is probably the best way to put it. Uh, and it, it just blew up, and our guests ended up going on coast to coast to talk about this stuff. And in the ensuing two years, a lot has happened uh, leading up to... This past week in Washington, D.C., a congressional hearing on cruise ship safety. He was really instrumental in getting it all together. And here on BOA Audio to provide us an update on this really kind of breaking story in a lot of ways. Uh, get the firsthand scoop on the entire uh, hearing, how it all came together, and what is going on with cruise ship safety. Folks, sit back, relax. This is going to be a riveting addition to the program Kendall Carver, welcome back to BOA Audio. Thrilled to have you on the show again, my friend. Well, it's uh, great to be back. And uh, we enjoyed the first one and glad that it got a good response. Oh, it got an amazing response. Uh, just an absolutely amazing response. People were just, as I keep saying, riveted. It was uh, heartbreaking. It was it was uh, mystifying, frustrating. Uh, in a lot of ways, this this whole story is, is crazy. Um I guess, as I said, it's been two years since we talked to you almost uh, to the day. Uh, at, at the risk, I guess, for the folks who haven't heard you before, give us a thumbnail bio background. I hate to do it because we've already had you on the show, and there's so much I want to talk to you about with this congressional hearing, but let's bring the newcomers up to speed. Who is Kendall Carver? Tell us about the International Cruise Victims Association. Well, I uh, 
just an average guy. I ended up CEO of an insurance company in New York City for 18 years. Uh, raised four daughters in Connecticut. Uh, Marion was our oldest daughter, the one that uh, got us involved with this. And it's taken us on a journey, Tim, that I just could never have imagined. Yeah. And, and this next month, it'll be 10 years since Marion disappeared, and she's still being written about uh, in, in various publications, including the March issue of Popper Mechanics. So it's a story that's just gone on and on and on. So uh, do you want any background of what happened to Marion, or do we need... Let's, you know what? Well, at, 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 in total uh, respect to you, uh, we've, we've already kind of covered that, and we don't. Sure. We want to get into the congressional hearing. I know you do too, because sure. uh, you were right there, front and center. Folks, go and listen to the first time we had Kendall on the show. He tells this whole story. It's heartbreaking. We don't want to. This is sort of an uplifting kind of uh, evening here because of the events of the last week. So let's talk about that. Tell me about this congressional hearing. How did it all come together? And I, I was trying to figure this out because the last time we had you on was a couple years ago. There was also a hearing last summer, so so there's been a couple of hearings, but this most recent one uh, was just last week. Tell me sort of how the events that led up to all this. Well, uh, Senator Rockefeller has um, really figured out the cruise line industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2010, Tim, we passed legislation in Congress. Right. Uh, and there were only four votes against it, uh, which... If that legislation had uh, been complied with as anticipated, there'd be no reason for, to do any more than that. But we, we found that there was manipulation to hmm. the uh, uh, legislation last time. Little words were changed, which significantly changed the intention of the bill. So starting uh, a year ago, uh, Senator Rockefeller held a hearing where he met with uh, the CEO of Royal Caribbean, the CEO of Carnival, uh, and uh, I guess you would say pleaded with them, uh, you know, to to get their act together. Hmm. And one of the things they said in that hearing a year ago, just one of the things, was that, and they knew that this is a going to be an issue, that uh, in the first bill the intention was that all alleged crimes be reported to the public. Hmm. In fact, somebody changed seven words, Tim. And I don't know if we talked about this last time or not. But I think it has seven, to do with open cases, something along those lines. Right? Yeah, that uh, the FBI, the intention was that all alleged crimes be reported and posted on the Internet by the Coast Guard. Uh, in fact, somebody changed the word wording to say only those cases that the FBI opens a file on and closes mm. have to be reported. So instead of hundreds of cases, they're reporting like 15 crimes a year. Right, right, yeah, yeah. It just made it uh, ridiculous. So the intention of this legislation was to correct that. But it's been a much tougher road, uh, Tim. Uh, I've got to list hundreds of thousands of dollars has been given to congressional members, both in the House and the Senate, to prevent any legislation. And uh, that's clearly made this a more difficult 
uh, road to travel this time. Hmm. Uh, we're getting there, but uh, we're not there yet. But uh, as a result of last week, uh, Rockefeller determined to put it through. Now, let me just tell you, we had two bills, one introduced in the House by Representative Matsui, who introduced the first bill, who is a Democrat, and Representative Pohl, who is head of the Victims Caucus and a Republican in the House. Mm-hmm. Tim, the the nature of the Coast Guard and Marine Committee had radically changed so that they wouldn't even talk about the bill. And without going through that committee, Tim, uh, we were dead in the House. Yeah. Absolutely dead. So I, frankly, two months ago, uh, I thought we were dead and that we would not pull this off. Well, Senator Rockefeller, is uh, this is last year, he's chairman of the Commerce Committee, well-respected individual. In fact, I really recommend that people go on our website, uh, which is internationalcruisevictims.org, and in the left-hand corner, uh, you'll see a box that says the 2014 hearing. Mm. And they, they can literally watch the video. And I think maybe, Tim, you watched that video. Yeah, yeah. Let me stop you there because uh, I'll, I'll do something kind of unorthodox, but for, except for the folks listening live. If you're listening on the MP3, stop and go and watch these hearings, folks. They are just – they're really amazing. Um, and at first you think, oh, it's a congressional hearing. I'm not really going to be – you know, this is going to be boring. It's on C-SPAN. But if you've listened to Kendall Carver on this show and you're listening now, you will want to hear these. You want to see these hearings uh, because they are really powerful stuff and give you an amazing look at what's at, at, the, at the current state of this fight. Really, that's. Uh, I feel kind of energized having seen it. I, I was excited for uh, for the folks who are fighting for this, and I became a big fan of Senator Rockefeller from watching it. I, I was really uh, impressed that he was getting behind this issue. So, folks, go and watch these because we're going to be talking about them quite a bit here tonight anyway uh, because, as Kendall said, I watched it last night, and I was completely blown away and wrote down tons of notes on it. So uh, I hate to interrupt you there, but where were we on this? Um, So he put this together. This is the Cruise Passenger Protection Act, right? This is the law that he's trying to get passed uh, right now. That's the the legislation? Right. And his intention, uh, because of the... the partisanship that's taken over Congress. <laughs> Tim, it's, it's rather sad, but it's just uh, uh, the whole atmosphere in Washington has changed. Hmm. And and here we have an industry pouring tens of thousands of dollars in uh, to representatives to prevent things from happening. And uh, here we have this little group, International Cruise Victims, which has no money. Uh, although we're now in 25 countries in the world with volunteers mm, wow. that are working on these issues. But the whole atmosphere changed. So in June, uh, one of the bills that the House had passed and the Senate has to pass is the Coast Guard reapportionment bill. Mm. That funds the, post, the Coast Guard. It just has to go through. And Rockefeller uh, in June found that, uh, you know, several of his members uh, were not supporting that. Well, they were supporting the Coast Guard bill, but he wanted to place the key provisions of our bill into that Coast Guard bill. Yes. 
so that it had to, if you passed the Coast Guard bill, our bill would pass. Mm, mm. And uh, he was having some issues with that in June, about the third week. And uh, so all of a sudden he stopped, and, and they were going to have a markup on the bill. And he stopped the markup uh, like the last Wednesday of uh, June, I think it was, and said, we're going to hold a hearing, and we're going to have victims. And uh, so that's really the how, how the whole thing started. So uh, during the July, they tried to negotiate with the cruise lines to get them to accept minimal standards, like reporting crimes. Right. And and having proper medical care, and really nothing that costs anything. Uh, and they tried to negotiate with the cruise lines. They wouldn't do it. So uh, a week before the hearing last week, Tim, he, he uh, and we've been working on this up until that point, <clears throat> he said, we're going to hold a hearing, and I want to bring victims. I've testified five times in Congress, Tim. My story is has been around mm, but he exactly. wanted he wanted five or four victims who had never testified in the senate before so we had a lori dishman who was raped we had a phil gerson who was a lawyer in miami who's actually uh also chairman of the national center for victims of crime he just settled a case of a minor that was raped on a cruise ship mm. then we had a woman uh, Amanda Blake, who lost her mother because she wasn't given proper medical care. And then we had a person that was on the Triumph that got stuck at sea for five days and they had no toilets, no nothing. So they became the 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 panel showing the horrors that people go through. I mean, the, the last hearing of the Senate was you know the the cruise line executives and yeah yeah and, and people like that. Now we've got the actual victims talking that have experienced the horrors, and I I uh, think it was an extremely effective tool. Absolutely, yeah yeah. That's why I said it feels kind of like a triumph in a way because it really sort of captured this message that needs to get out there to people that, of how dangerous these cruise ships are if you're not safe. You know, you really got to be on your guard in these situations, and most people aren't. And uh, I believe uh, one of the people who testified said, uh, I think it was Amanda Butler, she said, you know, they, they just assumed that the medical care would be top-notch. This is a top-notch corporation. These are this is, a, this is a state-of-the-art cruise ship. Of course the medical care is going to be, you know, outstanding. Turns out, folks, it's far from outstanding. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's practically criminal, really, and, and hopefully it will be if this law gets changed. Uh, well, go ahead. yeah, and, and in the case of Amanda, uh, her mother, who was only 51 years old, she was with her dad and her mother and, and herself. She just collapsed, probably a, uh, a heart attack. It took them a long time even to get to her. Then when they went to the emergency area where they had equipment, the place was closed up. They had to open it up. They had to dig the, the equipment out, the resuscitator out of the closet. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, the woman's dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to finish that story, folks, you got to watch these hearings. To finish that story, then the, the poor woman, they resuscitate her, and she's in a comatose state, and the ship promptly kicks her off the ship, 
uh, kicks her in the coma off the ship with her daughter and her husband to care for her on, I don't even know what island, some place. They just leave her in a foreign country. Her, her dad, and her comatose mom on a stretcher, and, and they leave, and they go back to the cruise ship. Unbelievable stuff. Just absolutely unbelievable stuff. Uh, my jaw was on the on the ground, and I hope, you know, the, the the power brokers who were watching this, I hope they were shaken by this kind of information. I, I know that was really the goal here to raise awareness about all this, right? Absolutely. Uh, and in the case of uh, Amanda and her mother, they, they had to go through customs. Here, the woman is is laying there dying. And uh, it was just a horror story. But, but Tim, if you go to our website, this happens over and over and over. Mm. Uh, just uh, It's just the way they operate. And uh, they just dump them off at the port, get rid of them, and leave them on their own. Uh, this woman had to be had to charter a private jet. Oh, my God. To fly her to a legitimate hospital in the states and uh, spent a fortune and you know it's just it's one of many sad stories along this uh, along the way and that's what keeps us going tim are these horror stories yeah yeah that that keep coming they just don't stop and yet the cruise lines do not want to change and and one of their arguments if if you go on our website and you look under icv news You'll see story after story after story that has been posted, but there's more stories that are being posted. But the cruise line's argument is, well, we're we, we're already highly regulated, and we don't want any more regulations. Well, Tim, I got to stop at that point. That is a sham. <laughs> yeah. When they say they're highly regulated, they're not regulated. That's the whole game that they play. In fact, we put on an ICV update. Recently, and says if you if you don't want regulation, just say you're highly regulated. And uh, <laughs> and, and what we're requiring under the bill, and Rockefeller is requiring, is not regulation. It's it's just the reporting of crimes. Right, right, and, exactly. and having medical doctors, just common sense things that you assume are already in place, and yet they're not in place. And uh, the cruise lines just do not want to do anything. Now, Tim, I'm going to move back. I'm going to change the topic a little bit. Okay. <laughs> back to a hearing in March. All right. Uh, a recent deposition uh, taken by a lawyer in Miami, he shared it with me, mm-hmm. has shown that there's been like 3,500 negative media articles on the cruise lines. Wow. Just day, I mean, day after day. They said, well, the press doesn't really understand this. Let me tell you. Tim, I have worked with a lot of press, hmm. and you can't you can't fool them. But anyway, in I think it was February, I read it comes out of a travel magazine, the tra- Travel Weekly, and they said, "Gee, there's going to be a hearing of the National Transportation Board on cruise ship safety," mm-hmm. and the announcement's coming from a cruise line magazine, so that that raised many issues. So we. Uh, started uh, going after that, and it turns out, Tim, at the hearing a year ago, yeah, the person that represented 
the cruise lines, Mm -hmm. was the former head of the National Transportation Safety Board. They'd hired him as a consultant. Oh, God. I mean, and so that's uh, how this whole hearing was set up with the National Transportation Safety Board. So if you go to our website again on the home page on the left-hand box, you'll see NSTB for the National uh, Transportation Safety Board. And you can click on that. And you'll find a 51-page report that we wrote. And if you go to the back of it, you'll find correspondence between us and the chairman of the National Transportation Board, I guess you would say pleading that we'd be on that panel, but they excluded it just to the cruise lines. <laughs> so here, here's the guilty party, and they, they uh, excluded it just to the cruise lines and the flag state of the Bahamas, which does nothing, and the IMO, which does nothing. Hmm. So that the purpose of that hearing was to show how highly regulated the cruise industry was. Well, I tell you, Tim, it was a sham. Hmm. And and uh, when I further explored it, the person they put in charge a year ago for safety maritime issues that the National Transportation Board, guess where she came from? Oh, you're going to tell me she came from one of the cruise lines? Yes, Royal Caribbean. Oh, She's my been God. on one of their boards. <laughs> the level of dirty tricks involved in this story is astounding. It is astounding, Ken. I'm, I'm, the dirty tricks involved are, are insane. Go on. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm well, just blown away. I remember the last time we talked, the same thing happened. I'm completely blown away by this story. Yeah, well, the whole thing was set up. So they could come up with a report showing that they're highly regulated. Well, let me talk about that a little bit. Uh, the Bahamas uh, were the Bahamas register 1,600 ships, mm-hmm. 250 are cruise ships. Well, here's this little island with 1,600 ships. You know how many people they have? Technical experts to to Manage things. How many? Six in London. <laughs> six in six in Europe. Yeah, six six in in London. Well, you couldn't possibly. They're supposed to do annual inspections, all kinds of stuff, and it's it's just a it's a shame. My goodness. Yeah. So when a person gets on a cruise ship, they are not in the United States. They're in the Bahamas, or they're in Panama, mm. or where they flag that ship which they know will do nothing. And I know this is getting away from the hearing, but uh, that's the way they have, they have made this thing work. They've gone in and hired the former head of the National Transportation Board. They've hired the number three guy from the FBI. They hired the chief lobbyist for the FBI. Yeah. They've hired Coast Guard admirals to represent them. And uh, so anyway, that and Rockefeller has clearly figured it out. Yeah. Uh, a year ago, they uh, they knew that the non-reporting of alleged crimes was a problem. So at that hearing, they said we're going to make this available to the public. We're going to we're going to publicize all the alleged crimes that we report to the FBI. Well, first of all. If you if you rob somebody for less than ten thousand dollars, it's not reportable. So if, you're, <laughs> if you're a robber, 
and you rob for less than $10,000, it's not a reportable crime. <laughs> if women are groped, they're not, it's not a reportable crime. But anyway, how, how did that come out? Well, number one, I, I challenge anybody to even find the data they're putting out. Well, let's take Carnival Corporation. Okay. They lumped four cruise lines together, Carnival Cruise Lines and three other Princess Cruise Lines and two other cruise yeah, lines. Spin-off, spin-off yeah, spinoff. Yeah, they, they put them into one combined number. So, number one, it is impossible to determine the alleged crimes for, let's say, Carnival Cruise Lines because it's, it's blended into a whole another number. Mm. Well, we uh, were able to get in June, which we sent off to the committee, under a Freedom of Information Act request, took me a year and a half to get this stuff out of the FBI. But we got all the alleged crimes that had been reported, and I'm not convinced all of them were reported, but th- there was like 570 alleged crimes for the industry that year. You know how many were reported in the public by information? The, give? Yeah, by the industries? Yeah, 100. Wow. A hundred out of 570 crimes. But what Carnival Corporation did, by putting all of their numbers together, and we were able to separate Carnival Cruise Lines from the 43 that they reported, Carnival Cruise Lines was 95% of the total. Oh, wow. So that they've literally hid that. So a person cannot determine which cruise line, even within Carnival, is the safety. Jesus. Uh, but they took and hid those numbers, clearly not what they said they were going to do a year ago. Well, anyway, uh, moving along, we were able to get that information, which was extremely helpful, yeah, that's, we that's, think. Yeah. You know, Is to, that readily, you should have that readily available on your site somewhere. I'd be interested in looking at that data. Yeah, well, we, we are getting that up. But, um, go ahead, I'm sorry. But, but in 2012... Mm-hmm. Of the hundreds of crimes that occurred on cruise ships, you know how many files the FBI opened? No idea, brother. That's a small Eight, amount. Eighteen. Jesus. And there was only four convictions. So what that says, if you want to do a crime... Do it on a cruise ship. Do it on a cruise ship. <laughs> so anyway, you know, Rockefeller is, uh, I mean, a really a dedicated... <laughs> Guy. Yeah, I, like I said, I became a fan uh, from watching this from watching this hearing. Now, I have, a qu- I have two questions here actually. First, they're completely uh, separate, so let me let me start with what I think is the easier one uh, for us to tackle, and that is, um, given have they ever looked at possibly changing the laws to deal with the with the issue that these uh, these ships uh, like they say they're from the Bahamas or whatever. Uh, is there any way to like get around that by saying if the ship leaves from America, it, it has to be, uh, you know, shored in America or you know adopted by America or however you want to say it? Well, the, the answer is that was the intention of the last bill passed in 2010. Okay. That even though it's registered mm. in the Bahamas, if it leaves a U.S. port or comes into a U.S. port, they've got to comply with the law that we write here. Otherwise, they're not allowed to come in. Right. So the the answer is that that was the intent last time. That is the intent this time. And the cruise lines don't want that. Yeah, <laughs> clearly, but, yeah. But uh, they, they want to be under the control of the Bahamas. 
Yeah, they're gonna, they're all going to start leaving from Canada all of a sudden. Yeah, well, Canada's probably all right. The Bahamas and Panama are a joke. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And the the um, the second question was, uh, I understand the I understand all this. I guess I'm going to take sort of a devil's advocate point of view and just ask why sure. there wasn't any representation of the cruise lines at the hearing last week. Was that because they'd already done their dog and pony show in March and this was kind of a response? Or, well, you know, what's the story behind all that? Yeah, the National Transportation Board was entirely separate. Mm. Uh, and that had nothing to do. The Rockefellers ha- held two hearings with the cruise line representatives there last year and the year before. And he he's really came to the conclusion that he's given up on them because, they, you know, they say, all oh, things are going to be better and we're doing all this stuff. He he's come to the conclusion they're not going to do anything. Yeah. Right. And, and if you notice that hearing, it was only for ICV victims and a, and a couple other victims. Right. I mean, the cruise lines were excluded from a, from a Senate hearing on cruise mm. ship safety because they'd already had two. Yeah. And they, they make the promises, and, but they don't want to agree to anything. Okay. So it's just kind of like, why bother even... They're, they're not. They're, this guy doesn't even give him the time of day. He doesn't trust him anymore. I mean, I yeah, agree. He d- he I, I agree. <laughs> did and, they? Well, what did they say after the hearing this uh, last week? What was their response to all this? The, the cruise lines. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, they've put out a couple articles and say, "Oh, we don't want to be regulated and more regulation and and, a, and that type of response." And there really is no problem on cruise ships. Well, if there's no problem on cruise ships, then let's pass the law that just makes this stuff available to the public. Mm. I mean, if, if if things are great, then there's no reason not to. And, and let me give an example, Tim. If you go to a resort here in the United States and somebody rapes your your wife and you you call the police, that becomes a record in your home. If somebody robs you and you call the police, that becomes a public record. Now, they don't necessarily put your name with it, but it means that you can then identify by zip code, by location, mm-hmm. the alleged crimes that are happening. The cruise ships do not want to do that. They don't want the information public. They don't want to be like a, a motel in or a resort in the United States. And and can you imagine, Tim, um, if somebody came with a business plan and said, gee, I want to build this new resort in Phoenix, Arizona, and by the way, uh, when you get in, we're going to lock the doors, there'll be no police, we're going to serve unlimited drinks, and if crime occurs, tough luck. Well, they'd, they'd laugh at them for yeah. that. Yeah, They would absolutely laugh at them for that, and yet that's exactly what's happening on the cruise ships. They, they've had it their way for so long hmm. that the last thing they want to do, and and I, I stress to your audience, go to the last 15 minutes if you don't want to listen to the whole hour and a half of the testimony and just listen to what Rockefeller says. He says, why wouldn't they want to do the right thing? Yeah. I mean, he, he went on for 15 minutes on that. You're making money. You got to you got to go in business. 
why wouldn't you want to do the right thing yeah. for the passengers? Yeah, I think at one point he used the word mystified. He was uh, he, he he found it absolutely baffling that they are stonewalling these laws. Uh, it just makes them look even worse. You know? Yeah, so, absolutely, Tim. Yeah, it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really make any sense. Uh, Hillbilly wants to know. It's a guy in a chat room in the chat room here. He says, uh, "How much money are these cruise lines making?" I think that's important for folks to know just how massive this whole thing is. Well, you know, that, that's an interesting uh, question, Tim. Uh, they've made billions of dollars. And and along with that, Tim, they used the services. They came up in the hearing last year of 21 government agencies. They couldn't operate without 21 government agencies, the Coast Guard, you know, the, the FBI, all, all kinds of agencies. Right. And right. guess what they pay in taxes? Zero, probably. About a percent. Okay. <laughs> Basically, they figured out a way to put their corporation in another country, pay no taxes. Then they put their ships in third world countries where no regulations are enforced. Well, that's, and, it's interesting, too, that you point that this comes up because, in a way, the, the bill you guys are working on here, the uh, – let me get it up here so I don't botch it. Uh, the Cruise Passenger Protection Act, that's, it's, you, again, to go back to the mystifying nature of all this, you would think that they would want to get behind that because you're not talking about taxing them, really. You're not talking about they can st- they're still getting away with, with robbing the American people of money and, and not, not being a contributing part of this whole society that they're also benefiting from. So you'd think that, that the, the very least they could do would be to protect these folks. Well, and... and uh the hearing the bill he's introduced another bill about maybe they ought to pay some taxes <laughs> exactly that's what i'm saying yeah yeah and, and you know what their their excuse is says well we bring we bring t- tourists to miami let's say yeah well for what a day before uh, yeah. they leave for, on the cruise well, well whatever you know and and so uh u.s air is based in phoenix it's now become part of american Airlines. they fly tons of tourists into phoenix or or New York or wherever, so they can't use the airline can't say, well, gee, we bring people to your city that might spend money, so we don't want to be regulated, we don't want to pay taxes. Mm, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's uh, an argument that just absolutely makes no sense, you know. And uh, uh, but but the not paying of taxes and then the failure disclose. And let me let me tell you, if you go on. Our website, there's a link to cruisejunkie.com. I think there's been, I think, 15 people have gone overboard this year, just disappeared off cruise ships. Well, we've done Freedom of Information Act requests on what the Coast Guard spends. They go out and look for them. Mm -hmm. They'll spend anywhere from a half a million to a million dollars looking for these people, and they never find them. Oh, God, it's even worse. Well... But what's even worse, Tim, is that the original bill that we passed, it says that ships have to install a man-overboard system. Right, I remember you talking about this, yeah. Yeah, if they're available. So the Coast Guard asked for requests. They got proposals from uh, for man-overboard systems. Well, here we are four years later. They never contacted the companies that gave those proposals. I don't know why they asked for it. Guess what I got under a Freedom of Information Act request uh, six weeks ago? Guess who they went to? 
The cruise industry? Yes. <laughs> oh, God, I hate to laugh. The very person that's to be regulated. And, and I was able to get that correspondence out of the Coast Guard. Oh, my God. So they actually... So they actually probably, in a way, actually financially benefited off of this in a, in a sick way too, because they, you know, the government probably paid them to come up with the proposals, and and they never well, even they, used it wasn't them. Wasn't a proposal; it was just criticism. I mean, the, the companies, legitimate companies, gave proposals for these systems. Yeah. And so they've been since that law passed. Seventy-six people have disappeared, and and there are systems available. The law says if there's a system available, you got to put it on the ship. And and yet they failed to do that, and the Coast Guard has failed to enforce it. And and that uh, I find that unforgivable. We're now four years, or well, 2010. Yeah, four years past the time the bill is passed, and here they're they're doing something with it. They're doing nothing with it. And a year ago, Tim, I went into Washington for the hearing uh, last July. Mm-hmm. And the Coast Guard just signed the guy to me, and I told him he lost the lottery. He got me. <laughs> you know. So anyway, we went out to dinner. You know, we're trying to be nice. And I said, well, gee, how are you coming on the man overboard system? You know, you haven't contacted the company. He says, oh, Ken, he says, we got to do a cost-benefit analysis. That'll take us years to do. Yeah. And they already had four years. And then... When we get done, then the cruise lines will have to do a cost-benefit analysis. Well, one of the companies has offered to put these systems on the Coast Guard ships for free. That oh, they wow. Can test. And, and they're not doing it. You know, uh, it, it's very, very disturbing, but we, we keep going. Cause, uh, I don't know if you know me, Tim, but uh, we are determined. You, know, you and, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think I I I get to know you pretty well over the last couple of years, and uh, I I'll be honest with you, Ken. One of the we talk a lot of, about a lot of wacky stuff on this show, but uh, one of the proudest sort of topics that I've championed is is your work here in the ICV and and trying to get the word out about this. It's absolutely uh, I don't even know. It just uh, ever since I talked to you the first time, it's been something. I'll be, I'll be sitting at a bar. If you ask me about what I do, I start talking about my show, and then they're like, "Well, what episode do you really uh, think I should check out if I get a chance?" And yours is one of the first ones I mention. I'm like, "If you're not into this weird stuff, go listen to Ken Carver because that stuff is real. It is as real as real gets, and it is terrifying, and it should make your blood boil if you're a decent human being." And uh, I like to think most of the listeners are. I like to think most people are. I mean, you need to get the word out about this now. Well, you, you operate the assumption that. Uh People are going to do the right thing until you <laughs> yeah. find out they're not. But, but Tim, I want to talk about some things that I have not talked about. Okay, well, let me ask you about something first that you okay. have not talked about on the show before uh, that was talked about in the hearing that I want to know more about. Senator Rockefeller talked about the ticket problem, and then later it came up about something involving a sticker with the ticket. It sounded like you had to sign something, and then you could look at the regulations that were, uh, you know, at the rules and regulations that were part of the part of the cruise ship. It was sort of like a nefarious little uh, trick that the the cruise ship industry has going on. Uh, but but I only really sort of heard them allude to it and talk about it a little bit towards the end of the uh, of the hearing. I wanted to ask you about it because I'm sure you're well versed in this issue. So what, what's the ticket problem that? that well, the, is, the is, ticket problem is if you go on our homepage. Mm-hmm. You can click on the Carnival Cruise Line ticket, and you would have to be a maritime lawyer to understand it. But the passenger has to agree to this fine print 
before he can get his ticket. But but uh, it came up in the hearing. You'd have to you'd have to hire a maritime lawyer to to realize you're giving up all your rights. Yeah. By by buying by paying that ticket, but you got to check it off. Yeah, I understand it. Well, Rockefeller's trying to say we need clear language so people really know that number one, the medical care the doctor doesn't uh, work for them; he works for himself. So when a medical problem happens, you got to sue the doctor. Well, he probably has nothing. The and and the cruise lines make money off. All the stuff the medical department sells, bills and stuff like that. So they're making money off of it, and yet they exclude themselves from liability. They 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 say at one point in the ticket something to the effect, "We don't promise you a safe cruise." My God. You know, yeah. and, uh, and it's written in, take, in 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 you know five point font, so no one yeah, <laughs> no one ever reads. Well, you can you can actually look at a you know uh, a ticket that they use. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so people don't know that they're giving up their rights uh, when they buy that cruise line tickets. They're, they're literally giving up their rights as a U.S. citizen when they step on that boat. And they're, they're now become a citizen of Panama, mm. regulated by Panama. And Panama will do nothing if anything happens. Or the Bahamas will do nothing. If you're raped, forget it. They're not going to do anything. Uh, and yet you're technically on their territory. So, I mean, the, the ticket, it's a pretty simple thing. Hmm. Give people, let them know what they're giving up in, in language they can understand. Right. You know, yeah, just be like, you know, if you're if you're going on this cruise, realize that you're uh, bound by the laws of Jamaica and not the United States, you know, or yeah, whatever. And, you know, and whatever I, I, uh, as I said, I was CEO of an insurance company. We had to have language that people could understand it was required by us. No, that's a that's a fair requirement. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so you don't have to be a lawyer to figure out what what it is and what it isn't. But people do not realize when they check off the box that they, you know, we agree to this because I want to take my cruise, don't realize what they're giving up as far as rights are concerned mm. uh, when they step on that cruise ship. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's devious. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. It is. It is shady uh, to use the parlance of our times. Now, what was the? You said you want to talk about some stuff that you haven't talked about. So, uh, you know, lay it on me, man. I want to hear this. Uh, what, well, what's on your mind? Yeah, your show is kind of a paranoia show. Paranormal, yeah, and paranormal. Yeah, paranormal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we cater to well, the strange and unusual for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you some of the things that have been at play. Uh, in this for me that says that there is a force that is uh, helping us move forward mm-hmm. beyond me. Uh, and it starts off at the beginning. We didn't go public with Marion's story for 14 months. Well, you know, a story that's 14 months old, Tim, you know, it's an old story, you know. So I uh, I knew a guy, one guy in New York who had worked for CNN, and I'd call his wife. We were friends, and and uh, you know said to you we got you know this story about her daughter, and he called me back, and he was doing a a, a project with uh, Anderson Cooper yeah. on Katrina, and he called me up and said, Hey Ken, you know we got lots of stuff going on, and you know really just 
a nice sign-off. So I said, fine. So anyway, we got in contact with a guy in New York who was a PR guy who really felt we needed to take the story public. There were others that felt we shouldn't take it public. It's a, it's a rough thing to make a decision to, to go public with a, a very emotional story. Mm, yeah. Uh, so anyway, we finally, in October of 2005, had a conference call with a guy in New York and another guy here in Phoenix. And the guy in Phoenix said, forget it, Ken. The guy in New York said, he said, I'll try and write an article and get it into the Boston Globe on Marion, because Marion was from Cambridge. Mm-hmm. That was like 10 in the morning. Well, at noon, my friend calls me from uh, CNN, and I hadn't talked to him for two months. He said, Ken, I'm going to fly out, and we're going to put you on what turned out to be the first Anderson Cooper show. Now, you couldn't plan that, mm. Tim. You could not set that up. Right. But then he went a step further. About a month later, called me and said, Ken, he said, uh, I think you ought to call Chris Shea, Representative Chris Shea, who was a congressman who had gotten some interest into this. So I did, and that put us into the first congressional hearing. Well, the, the first Anderson Cooper show took Marion's story viral, and it's still being told, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you couldn't plan that on an old story. Well, that's that's one of the things that, that happened along the way. Uh, later on uh, in 2006, we got a call from the Cambridge police, and they wanted me to uh, said some guy had contacted them about trying to get a hold of us. So I called the guy, and he was in Canada, and he'd been on Marine's ship. Oh, wow. And uh, he had gone to Senator McCain, he'd gone to Anderson Cooper, and then he went to the, to the Cambridge police to get a hold of me. And they, they made the connection. So anyway, I called him, and he gave me the story, that the story among the crew members on Marion was that one of the crew members was involved. It was a story that went through all the crew members. And then he gave us the name of several other crew members who confirmed that story about the crew member. Well, so so what do you do with that? Well, we went to the FBI and they did nothing, even though we had the names of these people. Oh, God. Well, about a month later, the phone rings at some woman from Seattle, Washington, who calls and said, I have been in contact with your daughter in the next world. And this woman is a well-respected woman who who we were able to connect to a, a, a neighbor in Darien, Connecticut. And she told us in great detail what had happened to Marion and the nationality of the person and how they disposed of the body. And it was a crew member. The, the whole it was a story similar to what the crew member, except this took it even a step further. Yeah, I saw it in detail. So, so she 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 knew things that presumably only really you would know. Yeah. About the case, and, and and she didn't know that crew members had contacted us. Yeah. So uh, another three years goes by. I guess I don't know how many years, and we go to a liberal Methodist church <laughs> in, Par- in Paradise Valley, and the minister came up to me and he said, "Do you want to know what happened to Marion?" And I said. Uh, 
Sure. That's kind of a strange thing to say, yeah. So he said, well, there's a woman in our church that I'm absolutely convinced has the power and knows what happened to Marion, and she'd conveyed it to him. So I said, well, we'll set up a meeting. So we did. Guess what, Tim? She told us exactly the same story. Oh, wow. Yeah. What had happened to Marion? And I sent you a church statue that uh, we put in place mm-hmm. for Marion. Yes. And uh, that statue, uh, we, we we had a service for Marion like six months after she disappeared, or maybe it was eight months, because we didn't know what had happened. And we spent months investigating, but we finally said, we'll have a service of remembrance. So anyway, uh, there were hundreds of people that came, and uh, people donated money. And uh, so we we had, I don't know, a few thousand dollars, and Carol and I decided, well, what do we want to do for Brian? So we, we, after working through different possibilities, went up and visited a friend in, in Prescott who introduced us to an artist. And he said, you got to talk to my friend, uh, Bob Schilling. So we, uh, Marion had written a lot of poetry, and I sent you the link to that music, Tim. Mm-hmm. Yes. And one of the songs was The Butterfly. So he listened to that music and and came up came up with a drawing of a woman sitting on a rock holding this butterfly. So we made the decision to go ahead and have this bronze statue made in Marion's behalf. Well, it took him a year to make it, and it sits on a rock, Tim. Mm-hmm. And uh they brought the rock down a month before the statue, put it in place, you know, in in this garden. Well, Tim, uh, this this thing had to be hoisted. It was a large rock. You you saw the picture of it. Yeah, yeah, it's quite quite. And, and put in into place. Well, Tim, the moment that rock hit the ground, Congress passed the first bill. Oh wow, that's pretty wow. That's that's the timing is impeccable, as they say. Yeah, well, so anyway, and and I don't think we could have gone as far as we've gone with a group of volunteers mm. without some force helping us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys so are doing the right thing. That's a you know, I know you said earlier you. It's, count on people doing the right thing, but I think if you do the right thing and you, you know, you're really uh, pushing for a good cause, I think uh, the, the, the uh, you know, the forces of the universe are behind you, and I think there's also a lot of people on the other side who are behind you, you know, yeah, you're well, fighting for these people who have absolutely no voice. Well, in, in the hearing last week, Tim, for the Senate the Commerce Committee to hold a committee hearing just for ICB. Mm. I mean, that is a miracle. Absolutely, you know, yeah. I mean, that is a miracle because the cruise lines, they've always been at these hearings. 
saying, oh, we're, we're good guys and we're going to do the right thing. But for them to get to the point that they're holding a hearing just for ICV members and victims and excluding the cruise lines, that is a miracle. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, those are some issues I haven't really talked about in the past. Uh, but I really think there is a force at work in what we're doing to correct things that should not be happening to people. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I, you know, I, I think the more you are open to that, the more you'll see strange sort of uh, synchronicities pop up as, as time goes on. I think um, it's, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm really, like I said, I think it's such a, a pure cause, too. I mean, you guys are really, you guys are really fighting for, as the name says right there on the thing, victims. And as I said before, uh, victims who can't speak for themselves. So uh, it's uh, it's really, really yeoman's work, as they say. Now, uh, in the interim, since last time we talked to you, I thought this was kind of interesting because it was funny. It's In a way, it is kind of a synchronicity somewhat because uh, I got turned on all this from talking to you. And we talked in uh, October. Uh, well, no, actually, let me see here. Uh, August, almost almost two years Almost two years. Uh, August twenty second, twenty twelve, was uh, when we taped that first conversation, and in the ensuing time since then, there's been some really high profile uh, cruise incidents. This thing, uh, Kim Ware was the person on the panel who talked about being stranded on the ship for uh, four days. That was like in February of uh, twenty thirteen, so about right. six months after we talked, and that was something that never came up when we talked. I don't know if that was something that had happened before and was kind of kept. You know, hadn't gotten the major publicity it had uh, that this one did, or, or uh, you know, enlighten me a little bit to that whole situation. Well, they, they, that was a they, major, they, major story. Yeah, that was a major story, but that was not the first time it had happened. Hmm. Uh, the Splendor, a Carnival cruise ship, uh, in December of I think 2012, I think after we talked, caught fire off the coast of Mexico. Oh wow! And and was adrift for five days. It's the same. It's the same story as the as the Triumph mm. caught fire, and and the Coast Guard had to go out and pull it back to the states, spending millions of dollars, taxpayer money, to bring this ship back. Uh, but so that it, it it already happened, mm. and in both cases, those ships, in theory, had been inspected, saying they're safe. And in both cases, they weren't safe. Uh, they were uh, the the uh, Triumph. They were in non-compliance with the IMO regulations, Solus regulations, for a year, and nobody did anything. And uh, eventually, the thing caught fire. And you know, Tim, then uh, last fall. A Royal Caribbean ship caught fire, burned the back of the ship off. Right. Uh, and I, I, I talked to uh, uh, an important person in London this week who's involved in the maritime industry. And he indicated to me, Tim, this will happen again. The ships are not safe. They should be uh, two-hull sh ships. And you know, at the uh, at the National Transportation Safety Board, they came up with what they're doing for safety. You know what the key thing is, Tim? What's that? 
the ship is your lifeboat. In other words, <laughs> the, you, you, because they know they can't get 8,000 people off a ship, so that's your lifeboat. Well, let, let's take a look. The Costa Concordia, Tim, sank. Well, they waited an hour before they did anything, and then it was too late right. to get the people. This ferry boat in Japan, they waited an hour. Uh, and then 300 people died. I mean, that just happened a few months ago. The New York Times had a front-page article on that. I think it was Sunday. And the whole corporation was corruption on that ferry boat. Yeah. Do you think those cases, uh, the not only the, uh, well, clearly, I mean, the one that got stranded, uh, the, the Triumph, that clearly made an impact because Kim Ware was on the panel and, and you know, it made a major, uh, made, became a major, major news story. Has that sort of raised more awareness for what you guys are doing? Well, I mean, yeah, I tell you, uh, Tim. Every time something happens, yeah, the phones ring off the hook. Uh, absolutely, every time you know, uh, Costa Concordia sinks, uh, you know, another ship catches fire. You know, the stories just go on and on and on, and that continues to to bring more and more people to, to ICV. Mm. Uh, it's it's amazing how worldwide we are now. I, uh, a, a year, let's say a year and a half ago, uh, there's an organization in, in Europe called Victim Support of the EU. Mm-hmm. That is the umbrella organization for all the victims groups in Europe, 28 countries. Right, right. I remember you saying they, they had taken an interest in your in your work. Yeah, well, they made us a member. We are the only member outside of Europe, of Victim Support of Europe. So they had me speak at, a, at their annual meeting in uh, May of a year ago uh, in Edinburgh. So here's the representatives of 48, uh, our 28 countries. And, you know, they're now supporting our efforts. In Australia, a year ago, February, I testified at a government hearing. We actually have a separate chapter there. So, I mean, we have become the voice that I'm sure the cruise lines wish we'd go away. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, but you can't put something back in the box. And they don't, instead of just doing the right thing. Yeah, you guys will go away when they, when they you guys will go away when they do the right thing. You know, yeah. as simple as that. If they want you guys to go away, they should just comply with the basic requirements of human decency. That's all, all, all we're asking here. No, absolutely. I mean, just just do the right thing, and it's not, you know, you. And what is the right thing? The right thing is that all crimes are reported. The last bill, one of the provisions was a victim on a ship has the right to go directly on the hotline to the FBI. Nobody knows that when they're on a ship and they're raped or robbed or whatever. Uh, if they just, you know, that doesn't cost the cruise lines anything. Yeah. The problem with the cruise lines is a third to half the crimes are committed by crew members. And guess what, Tim? A third of the sexual crimes are on minors. And Rockefeller's trying to, that is part of his bill, that that number be pulled out separately. A third of the crimes are on minors, sexual crimes. And the cruise lines are going crazy over making that information public. Yeah, well, I can imagine that would be that would crush their family, uh, you know, their family demographic. 
So. Well, but but people need to know these things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not taking. <laughs> trust me, Ken. I'm not on their side. I'm just, no, no, <laughs> no, no. I understand. So yeah. why wouldn't you do it? I mean, just it's not going to affect business if people knew that if something happened, they're going to be protected by the law. That would make them. They'd make better customers. But I think one of the things we've accomplished is that more and more people are. Uh, I did a show Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And some woman called up, and she said, uh, gee, there's, I got two teenage daughters. I was going to take them on a cruise. She says, I don't think I'm going to do it now. If they knew that there was protection, and, and here you've got a city. A cruise ship is a city. It's got cooks and waiters and entertainers and people, and, and the, the mayor of the city is the captain. You know what they're missing, Tim? Police. A police the police. And and medical and really quality medical care. I think uh, didn't I want to say one of the one of the senators on the hearing said uh, they they have something like two medical people for for the whole ship or something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah, you're lucky. And a lot of times they only work part of the day. Right, right. And in the case of Amanda, the the, the medical stuff was all stored, closed up. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. Know. The emergency room was closed. That's think yeah. about that, folks. There's, there's eight. What is it? Eight thousand sometimes people on these ships, and the, and the emergency room is closed. That doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, the, the equipment's locked in the closet. They have to turn the lights on, plug it in. Oh my God! Yeah. You know, can, can you imagine going into a hospital emergency ward and your spouse has just had a heart attack and and everything's locked up and there's no doctors around? Well, they. It would be like the Veterans Administration. It would make the news, you know. Yeah. And, and of course, in the case of a man, it did make the news. But there's so many sto- stories. That people can see the stories on our website, some of the stories. But uh, that's what our website is listed, are the stories after stories of people that are willing to go public. And and they can see the horrors that happened to them. Hmm. Uh so anyway, it's, it's it's a matter, but I think the public is is more aware of it today, Tim, than they were when we did the interview two years ago, and clearly when we started in 2006. There's awareness mm, absolutely. Among, the pu- among the public that cruise ships are not safe, they're not protected, and uh, I think it's had an effect on them. Hey, I read something today. The Cruise Victims Association reports that 165 people have disappeared while at sea since 1995. Wow. You're listening to the Nall of America Audio. Okay, there's a reason right there never to take a cruise, okay? Just the fact that there is a Cruise Victims Association. Okay, that should be a red flag right there. Now, one of the things I thought was interesting, what do you think of uh, Phil Gerson on the panel? Uh, He's the attorney who represented the 15-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. He recommended independent sea marshals stationed on the uh, on the ships. Okay. What, what's your thought on that concept? Oh, oh, absolutely. That is the ultimate answer, Tim. That there be and, and if you go on our website and commit and click on the community page, it'll take you to a series of articles. One of them is about having independent police on a ship. Mm-hmm. You, you, there's got to be somebody that people can go to that does not work for the cruise lines for whatever. And that's that's one of the things that Rockefeller has in his bill, uh, which is not a big deal. It doesn't cost the cruise lines anything. 
But when something happens today, a woman is raped or somebody goes overboard, you know, people are desperate, you know. Mm. And uh, I was desperate. Yeah. When you're a victim, you think you're the only person in the world. So who do they end up calling? They call ICV, one of our members, or they call me. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we're there to help them because we can relate to it. But the bill requires that somebody be hired by the government that these people can turn to to assist them in this process because the cards are stacked against the victim. Yeah. They re-victimize the victim. I mean, that, that's even worse. That's true. And, and yeah. as I said, with the, IB, with the FBI statistics, nobody's being uh, convicted of these crimes. Hmm. And let, let me give an example. Somebody asked the other day about Disney Cruise Lines. Well, Disney Cruise Lines, you say that's a family uh, cruise line. And uh, how are they? Are they different? And uh, the answer was, well, a CBS station in Florida was able to get, and I'm not sure how they got it, video of a steward groping 11-year-old child yeah, on an gee. elevator. Well, so what did what did Disney do? It was, they were in port. They hadn't even left at that point. So what did Disney do? They didn't call the police. They took the ship out to the high seas before they reported the crime. Hours later. Wow. Well, then, then when they got to the Bahamas or wherever they were going, they, they bought him a ticket to go back to India. Here's Disney Cruise Lines doing that. Oh, my God. The, the new law says if something happens in port, you've got to report it. It wants the police, local police come to, to assist the person. But here's an 11-year-old girl, and you would think Disney would have. But, but Disney's done the same thing. They put their corporation in a third-world country. But they've just dressed it up with a Disney. What do you have to worry about, Disney? You have to worry about pedophiles. Oh, my God. Yeah, and uh, they just put the mouse ears on it, and people think it's, uh, like I said earlier, uh, like uh, like Amanda Butler said uh, on the panel, it's you think that, it, like, it's Disney. Well, <laughs> you you expect them to do the right thing. Uh, even, even <laughs> we're not even asking for much beyond, as I said, human decency, just the, you know. You think there would be people who are appalled by this within the within the infrastructure of the cruise ship industry who would be who would sort of uh, I don't know speak out or or try and try and change things. It's really sick that, that there that, that there's no one in, in that whole realm. It's scary. Yeah, well, there, there needs to be somebody independent, and 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 frankly, our I think our paper indicates at least two per thousand. Can you imagine going to a city with eight thousand people? Unlimited drinking. They're now that's really changed since we last talked. They're offering these unlimited drink packages, and no police. Oh God! Wow, what? It's a, it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, I can't imagine what kind a, of riffraff that must attract too. Even yeah. Well, sure. We, we put out an ICV bulletin uh, update earlier this year on a. Promotion. I think it was Celebrity. I, I'm, I, I don't remember the cruise line. Mm -hmm. But it was like $370 for a couple with unlimited drinks for five days. To get the people on the ship, that's what they were willing to 
charge of that. They'll give the the, the crews because they want you on that ship, but they're also adding in unlimited drinks. You know, uh, that'd be like going to a fraternity party. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and... Uh, you know they, they've had to they've had to struggle to fill those ships in in uh, the last year and a half well, with all the things that have happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, word is getting out about this stuff. Uh, absolutely, that's the that's the best thing about it. I mean, you think that you just wonder if uh, I guess I guess it'll have to get to be so bad that the cruise ship industry will sort of have to do something. Didn't didn't they have introduced some kind of cruise ship bill of rights or something? Uh, well, it was very controversial. Yeah. Tim, it was a joke. Mm. Senator Schumer was saying we need to get uh, on an airplane. You have you have rights. Mm-hmm. So we need. He said we need a bill of rights for the cruise line industry. And uh, he was sincere about it. Well, the industry came up with a bill of rights that really gave the, the passengers nothing. You know, like it says, if we don't cruise, you get a refund. Well, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, that's that pretty basic. I mean, yeah. the whole thing was a joke. So they showed it to S- Senator Schumer before they released it. Mm-hmm. And he wrote them a four-page detailed letter going through each point, saying, you know, for them to, to clarify what they're doing, because what they were doing was nothing. Right. And they went ahead... Anyway, and and release this bill of rights so they can say, well, you've got a bill of rights, uh, but it, it really gives the customer no more than what they had before, which wasn't much of anything. Yeah, and is it even and, binding? And it, was I mean, public, is it... it was it was a sign of desperation. Right, right. By the industry, and uh, instead of really giving some rights, I mean they 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 say, well, you, you have right to see a doctor. Well, but but they don't <laughs> have doctors. You know that work for them. I mean, I, I I'm not going to go through all the points, but yeah. Also yeah. on our website, we put on ICV updating something about cruise lines are getting desperate, and you can do a link to Schumer's letter to him that he sent them before they put that out, and they never responded to it. You know, it's just a public relations move. They they'll do anything as long as they're not accountable for. Mm. It. Yeah. It's like you have the right to see a doctor, but they don't tell you that the emergency room is closed. So yeah, it's not their doctor, and they, <laughs> and they have no control over it. Yeah, you have the right to see an independent doctor that doesn't even work for us. It's uh, well, that's just one of the things, you know. Yeah. Now tell me about these. Um, I thought this was interesting. Uh, they sort of talked about it a little bit on the panel. These uh, mustard drills at the start of a cruise. What do they tell you? When you get on a cruise, how much do they really inform these folks? I, I realize from having seen the hearing that it's not much, but enlighten the uh, listeners here. You know, let's say I'm going on a cruise. Can uh, you know I, I get on the boat, and and then I, when do, when do they tell me how to see a doctor? What happens if my if my girlfriend gets assaulted? You know, what, what, you know, do they ever inform people on how to handle all this stuff uh, when they're on the boat? What's the what's the protocol on all that? Well, the, the answer is, Tim, before the Costa Concordia, they might go a day before they have the mustard drill. Mm-hmm. And that's to to tell the people where they go if the boat is sinking. You know, <laughs> that's, that's really what it is. And you have a life preserver jacket. Well, if, if you go to the National Transportation Safety Board report 
51-page report that we put out. Number one, the life jackets on a cruise ship, Tim, could kill you because there's no strap underneath your legs. So if you jump in the water with it, the thing's going to fly up in the air and break your neck. Oh, God. Uh, they, they, they should be straps on those things. Secondly, the lifeboats could be floors away from, from where the people are. And with this, this new policy that the lifeboat is your, the, the cruise ship is your lifeboat, so they wait before they start putting out those lifeboats. Those lifeboats ought to go out immediately. Yeah. I mean, and if something doesn't happen, then that's good. But you can't wait an hour saying, well, maybe we can save the ship. By then, the ship is tilting. They can't even get the lifeboats down. Yeah. So it's uh, the whole area on lifeboats. And the lifeboats, the ships have gotten so tall, Mm -hmm. Tim. Yeah. Because they've got 8,000 people. They've just stacked them up so they get as many people on as they can. That that was one of the problems with the ferry boat. They added two levels to it. Well, the people then have to jump. Right. And and be killed in the process of just getting off the boat. Yeah, these things are monstrous. These ships. They're they're oh, they are. Scary. And 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 there's you know and and take the uh, people that have a handicap, Tim. Yeah. How are they going to get on that lifeboat? You know, first of all, they've, they've got to get to it. And uh, how are they going to get on that lifeboat if they if they're handicapped and in a wheelchair? No, I, pres- I presume the, the answer is yes, just because it, it would seem to make common sense, but part of me is so suspicious that I feel like I have to ask, but on a cruise ship with 8,000 people, do they actually have enough lifeboats to get all 8,000 people to safety? Or? Well, that, that, that's a very good question, Tim. The answer is no. They only have a knife, enough lifeboats for 75% of the people. God. So there aren't enough lifeboats on a cruise ship for all the passengers. Jeez. Now, they claim they have inflo- inflatable things, but not lifeboats. And and they're supposed to be able to get load a lifeboat with 150 people in, and I don't know, just a short period of time. You'd have to get, I don't know, I've seen the number, uh, five people every second into that boat to, to, to empty it, to, to fill it up. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a sham. And... A boat, they say, well, the, the boat is, the cruise ship is not your lifeboat. Well, boats are going to sink hmm. in the future. Yeah. And and that only makes this the whole situation more dangerous, as in the Costa Concordia, the ferry boat. They were telling the passengers, don't do anything. And here the ship was going down, and by the time they figured it was going down, they couldn't get the lifeboats off because the ship was tilting. You know that, that the ferry boat in uh, in uh, Japan that was a, a, incredible. They told these kids just stay there, mm. and uh, so they went down with the ship, three hundred of them. Yeah, just again, folks. It's like more. <laughs> and just tonight, to, you know, I'm learning new things just from having talked to you that we didn't even get into the last time we talked, like this ticket issue and these lifeboat issue. I mean. Like I said, when I was just setting up the question, I, I go, if I was going on one of these cruises, I would assume 
that they had enough space for for me if the if the ship was sinking in in, in lifeboats. But uh, I know if I think I, in the back of my head, I'd probably not believe it, and I'd have every reason not to believe it because it's not true. There's not enough well, space for everybody. That's scary. Yeah, and and one of the questions that was asked at the National Transportation Safety Board meeting that I was at. So a ship goes down. It's got eight thousand people. Mm-hmm. It's out in the Pacific someplace. How are you going to How are you going to get to those eight thousand people? Right. How many ships is it going to take to rescue eight thousand people if they got them into whatever? Well, there's no ship big enough to handle that. You got to send an empty cruise ship. What? Well, you know. <laughs> so, that, so here you are in the middle of nowhere. The ship is sunk. You're lucky enough to get in a lifeboat. But, but how, how are they going to handle all these 8,000 people? And I think the most interesting answer at the National Transportation Safety Board, which was the whole program was designed to show how safe the cruise industry is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was clearly a setup. But they asked, they, they told about the, the lifeboat is your, the cruise ship is your lifeboat, and, and that's their big safety thing now. So they had a, a Coast Guard uh, lawyer on the panel, and he said they, they asked them, are cruise ships safer today than they were two years ago? And you know what his answer was? No. No. <laughs> he said that because of, of the lack of crew training and and the maintenance of the equipment, they're, they're no different than they were. You can put the best equipment on the world, but if it's not maintained and the crew that they get from third world countries is not trained, things are not any different than they were. Yeah. Other, other than the fact that you can say, well, we put a second generator on a ship. Uh, but I thought that was the most telling answer after they've been going on how much they've done for safety for them to ask this Coast Guard officer, are they any better off? And he had to say no. Yeah. What was the? Jeez. Well, this, this instead of that part. Well, how about what was? You know, I guess you you were there in Washington at the hearing last week. So, what was the general sort of mood? We we know Rockefeller is on the side of of the issue here, and he's on he's on the right side of all this. But did you get any sort of sense of where these other senators? Uh, Stood on this? I mean, a lot of this, obviously, you and I have talked uh, now going on three hours total in, in, in the past couple conversations here. So I'm well-versed in the issue here of how horrifying the lack of oversight is on cruise ships. But what was the what was the sort of temperature in the room uh, from these well, other guys, these senators? Well, the, the, the answer too? is, uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you, so much money has been paid into that committee. Mm-hmm that Rockefeller and and some of the other senators clearly are determined to put this thing through, but there's a lot of them that don't want to put it through. One of of the senators uh, spoke, and uh, he said, well, yeah, I I like all this, but it shouldn't be tied to the Coast Guard bill. We should just make it a separate bill. And Rockefeller came back and said, well, the Coast Guard bill has to pass. If you make it a separate bill, they'll just die, and they know that. Right, right. And they'll know that. So uh, he is, I mean, that's the reason he called the hearing, 
to make the members of the committee aware of the, of these issues, and and hopefully it got in. The, the the leverage that Rockefeller has as chairman of that committee uh-huh. is that he can hold up that Coast Guard bill forever if it doesn't go through the way he wants it. Yeah. He's got that, that power. And that's to fund the Coast Guard? Yeah. And 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 this language will be part of the Coast Guard hmm. bill. But he, he has got that leverage to hold that bill up. Well, they know they got to fund the Coast Guard. Right. But if the chairman won't let it through, then, um, you know, they're going to have to agree to it, whether yeah. they like it or not. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, I remember that whole uh, sort of tete-a-tete during the thing. That was uh, Senator Wicker, I believe, who was yes, yeah. complaining and that, that, that was, should be broken that was up. Just, we were disappointed in that because Senator Wicker, uh, Amanda, that is her senator. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? That, That's ridiculous, then. Yeah. And and they've met with him, and and met with him more than once, and he talks like he's committed. But but his comment that all oh, this ought to be a separate bill would kill the bill. Yeah, he knew that. Yeah, it was interesting. It was literally some inside uh, inside politics kind of thing there, because as you said, uh, then then Rockefeller at the end of the whole hearing explained to the layperson like me how. How it has to be it has to be included in that, or else it will die on the vine uh, on its own. So I kind right. of appreciated the, the, appreciated his honesty in that sense, where it's like, listen, man, I know why you're saying that because there's a lot of uh, backroom dealings going on here. Well, it, it is a lot. Of, it, the, the tone of Congress has changed. You know, if the Democrats want something, the Republicans don't want it, and, right. and, and vice versa. And that's that's sad. You ought to be just doing what's right for the public. Now, when you say so much money's been poured into all this, what do you mean exactly? Just just straight up campaign donations from cruise yeah, companies? Yeah, Ten, tens of thousands of dollars has been paid. To, I want to say sixty members of the House and the Senate. I've got the list. I know it was over fifty, and more have been added to the list. Uh, cruise lines very effectively, and these are foreign corporations. Yeah. Manipulating, well, they don't. They don't, and they've said this in public. They don't want any regulation that's enforceable. Hmm. They've said that. They said, "Oh, we're highly regulated." They're not. In fact, Tim, one of the most interesting articles to come out in the last few months was put out by the Nautilus organization. The Nautilus is the group that represents the captains and the senior people on ships. Mm-hmm. It was a two-page article, and if you looked hard, you could find it, uh, you know, put out uh, a couple months ago. And you know what the conclusion of that article was, this major article by this major organization, is that the regulation of cruise ships is not corrupt, it's bankrupt. And for them to make that statement, that the regulations of these ships is bankrupt, not corrupt, bankrupt, they said. Yeah. Shows you that the, the, the people of knowledge know what the issues are. Right, right. Uh, but, you know, the people, uh, you know, they want to keep things the way they were, you know. So, Jeez. Well, it's know. just amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. Well, that, I mean, like, the, the, the IMO right, writes rules. They're, they're a division of the U.N., 
but then it's turned over to flag states to enforce. Yeah. And that that becomes a joke. Hmm. Well, it's just, you know, I think uh, one of the people on the panel pointed out that, uh, I think it might have been Rockefeller, just that, that there's basic sort of human, uh, there's basic laws that protect people for on planes and, and trains, but there are none on the boats. It's amazing. Uh, it must just be because we've been sailing much longer as a species than we have been flying and riding in trains. So uh, sort of, I guess, the, the lawlessness has evolved <laughs> from those days in a way, maybe. Well, I think that's the role that uh, that that we have played, ICB. Um, you know, I got into our daughter's case, and I realized that they had been lying to us for months hmm. on what happened to Marion. And that to figure that out cost us $75,000 just to get to a steward. Uh, but at that meeting, in fact, <laughs> the, 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 well, the, we, we, then we had a hearing in March of 2006. We came up with a simple 10-point program on safety issues. Here's a group of volunteers. And um, at that meeting, there was a gentleman named Michael Cry, who ran the trade association for the industry. And I went up to Michael, and I was naive. I said, Michael, we ought to work together. You know, uh yeah, maybe, maybe we can work together. These are pretty simple things. He looked at me like I must be nuts. Yeah. Well, he was at this hearing last week. He's no longer with the cruise lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was forced out, and I, I don't want to get into that. Yeah. Uh, but and why, why the, if, if you're for safety, they, they, they signed a letter in 1999 after a reporter from the New York Times got after him and really figured this thing out back then. So they came up with a letter that says, Zero Tolerance for Crime. And they all signed it. A letter's still available. And they used to talk about Zero Tolerance for Crime. Well, Tim, if you signed a letter for Zero Tolerance for Crime, that would say there's nothing you wouldn't do to yeah. prevent crime. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's what that statement says. But it turns out there's nothing they will do, you know, to make the necessary changes. Like, I mean, the ideal thing, Tim, is to be independent people on those ships. Those are cities. Yeah. I mean, what city would you go to with 8,000 people that have no police and the bars are open unlimited? Well, you, you wouldn't do it. But the... But that's why Rockefeller's put in the bill that at least there's somebody on the outside. It's the National um, Transportation Board that they can contact to help help them through these issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, we're we're not a government agency. I mean, we can sympathize and we make calls and we publicize and we try to pass laws. But there needs to be somebody within the government who can make the FBI, Coast Guard, and et cetera, do what has to be done. Right, right. Accountability, as he said yeah. uh, in, in the in the hearing. It's kind of weird in a way. Uh, I'm sure you probably recognize this. In, in, a, in a sort of morose way, it's the these disappearances have become popular with these, these crime shows on TV. Every I, I was a couple of weeks, we, we talked uh, about a month ago before we set up this interview, and uh, in the interim, since t- until tonight, 
I was watching one of these shows, like Dateline, those kind of shows, 2020. Yeah. It seems like not a month goes by that they're not talking about some case. I watched one, as I said, in the interim since the last time I talked to you uh, last month. I saw one about a guy who they think was was murdered by, like, four Russian guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, George Smith. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, George Smith, uh, uh, his parents were in Connecticut. And they, the very first hearing in December of 2005, talked about two cases, George Smith and, and Marion. Oh, wow. So it, it goes back that far. Uh, so, but, you, you know, something, one of the things the, these reports that are in the Coast Guard are supposed to show is missing Americans. How many people disappear on cruise ships? Right. Well, guess what? The FBI, you'll see, you'll see two. I mean, where, where you know there's two a month, Yeah. and they say, well, we don't know that it was a crime. Well, nobody could possibly investigate it. If somebody goes overboard or whatever, I mean, there was a case earlier this year. A woman was raped in her cabin by a crew member. Then he tried to throw her overboard. Well, by the grace of God, she escaped. Otherwise, she would have just been another another statistic on the list. And, um, you know, people need to know these things, that people are going overboard. And they're... And they're the law required that we passed four years ago that these systems be put in place. Yeah. You know, why don't they want to do it? I don't know. Um, now, at the risk of getting, of sort of jumping to the conclusion in a sense, uh, but I think it's a logical place to go next in this conversation, and that is where does this all go from here? You say that Senator Rockefeller can hold up the bill, uh, the, the Coast Guard funding for his, forever. Um, so what's the... What happens next now? Well, assuming he does that and then is able to get it through the Senate, mm -hmm. which the Senate has to approve the Coast Guard bill, the, the House of Representatives, the Marine, the Coast Guard Marine Committee, took zero action on the bill. They didn't hold a hearing, and and uh, they didn't do anything, mm -hmm. and they were they were critical. So if he can pull this off, then it goes to a conference committee. But they did pass the Coast Guard bill. And my guess is where it goes next uh, is that Rockefeller says we're not going to approve any bill in this conference committee that doesn't have these provisions in it. He uses that same leverage. Now, I've got to be honest with you. If he doesn't pull this off, it's going to be very difficult in, a, in another year session of Congress to do it. But I, he is so determined. Why do you say that? Well, the, 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 the committee changes. You don't know if it's going to be Republican. Oh, I see what or, you're saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Or Democratic. I mean, he has got a passion. He has been working on this thing for several years. Yeah, like if the Republicans take control, we don't want to make this too much of a political issue. But if the Republicans take control of the, of the Senate, you're saying then then he's off the he he doesn't have that driving force, the leverage to make any of this happen. Well, well, he he's he's not running for re-election. Oh, okay, that makes it even more. Uh, it's critical. Critical. That, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah, and and what can people do? They can write their senators uh, to say, hey, this legislation 
needs to be passed, and they'll need to do it next year if we don't pull it off. Hmm. But but we're in a we're in a tough game, uh, Tim. And uh, you saw the passion of Senator Rockefeller in Absolutely. that hearing. And I went up to him afterwards. He said, "We are going to we're going to do this." Yeah, so, that's, that's that's what he said at the beginning. Uh, I I was I was really uh, fired up when I heard him say, you know, he's like, "You guys," he's talking to the cruise industry. He says, "You know, you guys got a lot of money and you got a lot of lobbyists." And then he kind of paused and just said, "We're going to win." Yeah. No, I said, you know, that's awesome, man. That's what we need. That's, that's yeah, the kind and, of attitude. and for for a little group of volunteers to get a congressional hearing, I mean, even to get legislation introduced, shows that we are on the right side of right. Hmm. There's no question about it. But being on the right side of right doesn't necessarily pass bills. It's like reporting uh, rape crimes at colleges. They're supposed to be reported. It's supposed to be online. But a lot of the colleges have fudged those numbers. Yeah. They don't want that information. It's the same thing, you know. And and if if you knew that what the true crime rate was for a particular cruise line, and and there's a high incident of sexual crimes against minors, uh, and that's one that uh, Gerson talked about of a 14 year old girl that was uh, severely raped in, in that case. Uh, you'd be hesitant, yeah. Unless they clean up their act, and and that's that's for them to decide, I guess. Uh, and, and their threat is, well, we'll move our headquarters to to London. Well, God bless you, move to London. But that doesn't change where their business is. That wouldn't change anything. And uh, because you'd still have this U.S. law, you'd have to deal with, and that's two thirds of their business. What they're trying to do, Tim. Yeah, is move their operations to China. What? And and the, and the Far East are making a major push to try and develop those markets because Europe has not worked out for them the way they hoped. So now they're they're moving. You know, we'll take the chips the ships to uh, China. Big effort in that area to redeploy to avoid regulations. In fact, Tim, last week when I was at the hearing. Mm-hmm. CLIA, the cruise line industry, uh, uh, a close friend of mine in London sent it to me, sent a position paper to the, U, to the EU. And in effect, it was saying, well, we don't want laws on pollution and, and all these things. That's really what it was saying. They're going to the, U, to the EU, saying, don't, don't, don't mess up our business. We, we bring tours, so don't mess up our business. I don't honestly, if things were done right, I don't think it'd have any impact on tours. I mean, if you knew that you're going to go on a ship and and you weren't going to a strange country, it wouldn't affect your business. It would help your business. But, yeah. Uh, they don't. They don't want the uh, cat out of the bag. Yeah. They just. They. You wonder how long they can get away with this. I guess. Uh, all it's gonna. There have been high-profile crimes though, so you just wonder like. You just, I guess you're just waiting for, uh, you know, who's that girl that disappeared in Aruba? You know, you're waiting for another, you're waiting, I guess, for another, you're waiting for somebody like Nancy Grace. Unfortunately, I'm not a huge Nancy Grace fan, but uh, she's yeah. a bulldog on some of these stories. You're waiting for, I guess, a, break, a breakthrough story that'll galvanize uh, the public opinion even well, more. Well, we, 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 we do get lots of press, lots of stories. I mean, your show helps, Tim. I mean, uh, the... The people that you reach, and it's 
uh, you know, you and I, and I owe you one, Tim, because uh, you you helped get us on Coast to Coast. I never heard of Coast to Coast Radio. <laughs> I never heard of the show. And uh, uh, yeah, it's a massive show. So I was happy. Yeah. You know, well, I like when I heard when, when we talked uh, afterwards, I, I really like I said, uh, I really felt like people needed to hear this information. Um, you know, well, like I had yeah. a response. Once you know the information, you almost have a responsibility to tell other people because you never know who's going to go on a cruise. You don't want your neighbor to end up overboard, or you know, a cousin or something like that. It's, uh, it's well, and, and uh, sexually raped, robbed. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, can you imagine going into a city where they can rob you for under ten thousand dollars? It's not even reportable. Right. Right. You so, know, I mean, I'm happy to help, Ken. I'm happy to yeah, help. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I, I appreciate that. And uh, But but one show leads to another, and, and we we do get – if you look at ICV News, mm. uh, the tab, you'll just see story after story that we get. Yeah, it's massive. And, and, and when something like the Triumph catches fire, then it just goes off the wall. Mm. Uh, you know the, the reporters and and uh, right, right. You pick those things up, and we've learned Tim how to get our message out. Uh, we we do PR releases. I I made a trip to Washington. I don't know, let's say four years ago to a hearing, and sitting next to me was a guy that ran <laughs> one of these wire services that sends out stories. Mm-hmm. And he said, Ken, he says, uh, you know, I told him what we're doing. He says, I'll send the story out for you for free. Well, in, in this case, it's Business Wire, but there's several companies that do it. Yeah. Well, that, we don't we don't have lots of money, but they don't charge us a lot. And we can get stories around the world, Tim, uh, through Business Wire or, or things like that. So we're able to to put a story out that we think needs to be there, and then the media responds to it. Hmm. Uh, there are thousands of Internet sites, literally, or hundreds that it goes on, and thousands of hits uh, that are picked up on those stories. So we've developed some methods of getting a story out that we think needs to get out that's not out there. And uh, more and more people, they, they Google us, uh, a lot of times they Google us in, in the case of that something's happened to them. Yeah. And, and they come to us. And the other thing, Tim, you know, Amanda Blake, you saw her on television mm-hmm. uh, on the C-SPAN. This girl is dedicated to changing the laws. Now, some victims go into the closet, particularly sexual crime victims. Mm. They literally go into the closet. Right. Understandably, but, though. But but there's a certain number of them. A Jamie Barnett, who's president, I'm chairman, she's president, lost a daughter. Uh, you saw Lori Dishman. There's a whole series of people that are willing to share their story and, and make ICV work every day to get the story out. And that that's what's moved us. It's an amazing organization. Um, with with no offices, it's all done on the internet, like you're on the internet. Mm-hmm. But every morning at six in the morning, I get all the stories around the world from a gentleman in Colorado every day, seven days a week. We then, in turn, they're sent to a woman on the Cape who's been posting this stuff since we started. Who was uh, an attempted rape case, 
Oh God! And and I don't know. Last year we had hundreds of thousands of hits to our website. Um, and it, but it's these volunteers that have made it work. Hmm. And uh, so it's you know that that's one of the rewards I guess we have as uh, and our slogan is. Uh, Victims, I think, victims working together. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, victims helping victims together. We are making a difference, and that's the slogan of hmm. ICV. That's on the top of our home page. And if you get victims organized, uh, a lot of them are not public, but they're still working there every day. And, and a lot of talent who are not victims but bring unique talents have assisted us. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of lawyers. Phil Gerson has been very helpful, but he's just one of others. There's a fellow named Jim Walker puts out a blog, blog every day on the current crimes on cruise ships. Hmm. So the, the story gets out over and over and over, and uh, it, it's... It is making a difference, has made a difference, and is making a difference. And last week was probably the highlight of any congressional hearing when when the villain is not even let in the room. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it felt very, uh, it felt, um, you know, it was sad, obviously. These victims, uh, they've suffered tremendously. But at the same time, for those of us who want to raise awareness about the cause, uh, it was it was triumphant in a big way. So, you know, congrats to you for getting it put together. I really liked, too, how... I'm sure it was kind of. I'm sure there was thought put into this, but I liked how. Um, let me see here. Uh, Lori sort of represented the, uh, the the victims of crimes, and then and also Phil Gerson sort of also represented victims of crimes, but also from another legal aspect. And then Amanda Butler talked about sort of the lack of medical help that's on the ships, and then Kim Ware sort of just talked about the overall anarchy that can ensue and just the general lack of. Uh, oversight and infrastructure for these shows. So I liked how each one of the people on the panel sort of brought a different perspective to what can go wrong on these ships. Yeah, well, that, that's what Rockefeller wanted, hmm. uh, is is people whose story are, wasn't, were not necessarily known but brought a different story to the table. And uh, how people, you know, you take the, the, the triumph. Here, here's a ship that's out of compliance. Anderson Cooper did a show on this. They were out of compliance with the with the laws of the of the uh, SOLAS, which is the laws they operate under in theory from the IMO, for a year and nothing happened. Yeah. And but but what's what's sad about that? You know, take the Triumph, had this fire. They're out of compliance. Take the Splendor that caught fire as it drift for five days. There were no penalties. And, and in the case of the Splendor, Tim. The fire it was a new ship. The fire system was installed incorrectly, <laughs> and yet it's been in theory passed by the flag state and and the coast guard. When they when they went back, the instructions are wrong, and and the whole thing was wrong. You could have lost five thousand people on that ship. Yeah, and, but there was no penalty. Can you imagine if if an airline something happened? And and the the wings weren't installed correctly. You'd have a congressional hearing. Yeah, but but this flows to the flag state. 
who has responsibility to do something, guess what? They don't do anything. <laughs> and the cruise lines know that. Hmm. Well, on the bright side, I guess, you know, we we, we are having these congressional hearings, or uh, we have one now, and, and we've had one in the past, many in the past now. So it's, it seems like it's gaining momentum and, and interest uh, from people. So I just hope that we can get this over the hump in a way. You know, I really do. I guess, well, it'll be interesting to see, because you'd think that if the... If if Rockefeller stalls this Coast Guard funding bill, I would think that that would be turn into an even bigger story in a way. I could see the media sort of jumping on that, where it's like, well, is the Coast Guard not going to get funding this year? And, and then it'll get more interest in, in, in this whole um, back and forth, you know, this whole, well, whole fight for the bill. Know, we'll have to see how it plays out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. he, he uh, I mean, he... He, he tried to work with the cruise lines in July to get them to agree this stuff. And they wouldn't agree to anything. Yeah. So literally, we, although we'd been working on the potential of having this hearing, he literally called it the week before the hearing and, uh, you know, announced it. And, you know, we went from there. And we've been working with him since June on, you know, various issues, uh, uh, and then one day he said, hey, we're going to hold a hearing. And then then he thought maybe the cruise lines will come, come around. Because the last thing the cruise lines want is a congressional hearing. Yeah. Uh, that is the last thing they want. But they wouldn't agree to anything. So <laughs> that left uh, Rockefeller where he was. So, Well, thankfully, the hearing got a lot of coverage, too. I was, uh, I was impressed by that. And a lot of mainstream outlets, too, which is great. Yeah, well, we've got... Stories that aren't posted. Uh, CNN did one uh, this week, uh, and and just a lot of media has stories, and they're still coming up. And that really kind of surprised me mm. uh, on that hearing last week. Uh, but you know, the, 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 I've seen a couple articles come out from the cruise lines, and they say, "Well, we're highly regulated, and we don't need this, and yeah. and you don't want regulations in business." Hey, <laughs> you know, and, and, and to find out, uh, you know, from this the Nautilus group, to, for them to put in writing, the regulations are bankrupt. There are no regulations. <laughs> yeah, but you keep telling the world we're highly regulated. And they believe it, yeah, because they don't know any better. They don't know to look yeah. into it. It's, it's, uh, it's scary. And also scary, I, I, I kind of wanted to just revisit this in a way because I felt like I've, I've probably downplayed the the sexual assault angle on all this just because it's so unsettling and it's just so horrific that I really didn't want to dwell on it. But it, it bears sort of mentioning, in a sense, just how rampant and troubling uh, this really is. Uh, it's a, it's a, people are in danger, folks, when you go on these ships. You have to be on your guard. You absolutely have to be on your guard, especially, uh, I don't want to sound sexist, but young women. Really, oh, absolutely. Uh, you don't know what kind of, uh, like I said earlier, you don't know what kind of riffraff are going to be on these ships. Well, and and uh, the minors, the children. Absolutely, yeah. If you're a parent, you need to be you need to be absolutely cognizant of your surroundings at all times. In the Phil, Phil Gerson case that he just settled, uh, here was a 14 year old girl that was severely raped. Well, the parents thought she was in a program run by the cruise ships for teenagers you know so she was safe well i guess the last night of the cruise they shut the program down early and and then the kids all had a party and then she was severely raped and 
and uh, you know, just you know, you 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 you, you expect the best. And and there, you know, just another issue, Tim. And I've had people contact me on this. If you leave your kids at a uh, daycare center, mm-hmm. those people have to be licensed and background checked extensively, but not on a cruise ship. They're not licensed. They're not. They're not. Uh, well, they're just not protected. Yeah. And we we had a woman who went to Washington with us. We had, I think, about ten of us went into Washington in November and made about fifty calls. And that's not easy. People are doing this at their expense. Well, her son was molested by the worker in the childcare area. Yeah. Turns out he'd been doing it for five years. Molest, molesting kids. Jesus Christ. And she was on a canard line. You expect only the best. You know, and uh and and these parents just get angry. You know, I gotta tell you cool. when you talk about sexual cases, the Friday before the hearing I got a call from a woman who had been harassed sexually molested the week before, just got off a cruise ship. And this woman was off, I don't want to say off the wall, but upset. Oh, yeah. And she wanted to testify at that hearing. Well, <laughs> you know, the hearing was going to be on Wednesday, and she, I mean, this woman was really uh, not in good shape, and not in good shape to testify but you get those kinds of calls, and you, you sympathize with them. With all due respect to this lady, given the level of dirty tricks that we've seen at work here from the cruise industry, you never know what kind of, you know, because this could have been a setup anyway. Someone trying it to could be. Yeah, and that, that was another point, uh, uh, was that we didn't, we couldn't vent her. <laughs> and, and there were a lot of people, believe me, Tim, there were a lot of people that wanted to testify last week. Yeah. But in line with what you're saying, they had, you know, certain profiles they wanted, and that's what they put on the uh, on the panel. But I had some, a lot of people that really wanted to testify and tell their story. Hmm. Uh, there was no lacking of, of potential candidates, but you know, they, they could only handle four, and that you know, so that and I think the four did a terrific job. But uh, there were a lot of other people. Uh, you know, Jamie Barnett wanted to tell her story. Our daughter uh, died on drugs. There was no care in the ship, and they and she died. They just d- dumped the body off at a Mexican port. Did, <laughs> did an autopsy on her daughter. Just and, unbelievable and, stuff. And, and then that, that's given Jamie the passion of what she, she is doing. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's just story after story like that. Absolutely. If you go to, uh, you mentioned it a few times here. I haven't actually plugged it, but uh, people obviously, if they've gone to the website to get the show, they can click on your name and get to the website. Internationalcruisevictims.org is the website. Just punch in Kendall Carver if you're if you're really lost. Uh, it'll pop up, folks. Uh, Kendall Carver Cruise Ship will bring it up on your Google machine. Um, and I want to circle back on another topic we talked about on the original conversation, but it bears mentioning because uh, 
It, the the I, I want to revisit the Lori Dishman story um, based on her testimony at the congressional hearing. I thought it was just absolutely uh, mind-boggling. She talked about uh, she was raped on the ship, uh, I believe, in 2006 by mm-hmm. a by a person who worked on the ship, who was. They said uh, this guy was paid $550 a month and was a, was acting as a security guard, but really was more of a faux security guard. He had no security training, and I think it was because they didn't have enough security guards that he was oh, giving. He was a janitor on the yeah. ship. <laughs> he was a janitor that was like, that somehow was was dubbed a, a security guard or got a security guard uniform or something. It was very shady. The whole thing was shady with that whole thing. And I guess the point I want to make is about all that is, you know, we had Rich Dolan on, folks, uh, a couple episodes ago talking about breakaway civilizations and sort of the... Uh, the one percent being being a sort of a society in and of into itself. Well, we've got a breakaway civilization on these cruise ships too, and that's the hundreds to thousands of uh, people that work on the high seas that are getting paid five hundred and fifty bucks a month that come from third world countries and are are existing in a world that is not at all like the one you and I and Ken live in. They're uh, it's a lawless world. I can even imagine. Well, they, they, they work them seven days a week for. Nine to eleven months, and and they they come from a different culture. Yeah, you know, and and it's, it's uh, things are going to happen. You know, and frankly, the crimes that are reported aren't all the crimes. We know that. Mm, yeah, certainly. But, uh, but from th- you know, you know, they, they get them as cheap as they can get them. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's like you 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 are going to a foreign country, and the foreign country is the ship, uh, because there's a there's a culture on that ship, of, you know, just a culture of the ship, on the ship that is that's frightening, quite frankly, and it's on on it's foreign to the nth degree, really. Well, the the, the crew member knows that if he rapes a woman, they'll just get him off that ship and send him home. That's the standard operating procedure. Yeah. Once in a while they may go to jail, but very seldom. They just get them off the ship, give them an airplane ticket, and send them home. So you can see that in the IBM or the <clears throat> FBI statistics I quoted. Four convictions in a year out of hundreds of crimes. It's a joke. Well, uh, Van Belvis in the chat room makes a fantastic point here, and I don't know if we brought it up uh, on the original conversation, but, you know, we're talking about people who are going on as passengers and reporting what happened to them. I can only imagine, and I presume you haven't really heard anything, because as I said here, we're talking about a breakaway civilization uh, of folks who work on these ships, but you can only imagine the just the, the hardships and the, and the horrifying things that happened between the crew. Oh, absolutely. Do you ever hear anything like that, or are we talking about people who are, like, from from the Bahamas and stuff who, who, you know, just want to go back to where they came from and never come back and work on a ship again? Yeah, well, women. We get a lot of women crew members. Oh, okay. That that are raped. Uh, And if they're at a high enough level, it's it's the captains of the ship that are after them. It's like the Costa Concordia. This guy had a girlfriend. Oh on the ship. He was married with a family. And, and what does the captain do every night? He goes to his captain table, 
and they, they bring these people and they can sit and have dinner with the captain and drinks. Well, if if you were an airplane pilot of a 747 and if you drank while you're flying that airplane or 24 hours before, they'd, they'd take away your license. Yeah. These captains, they are there to entertain the guests. Mm. And that's what happened. He he took the Costa Concordia by this island to impress his girlfriend. <laughs> I mean that that that's the story. Yeah, and uh, and the ship owners let him get by with it. And and in the captain's room, they didn't even speak the same languages. But uh, here, the captain, you think, oh gee, I'll go to the captain's table and we will have drinks and things. Then he goes back and drives the ship. Well, let's say something. Serious happens, which it did in the case of the Costa Concordia. He's there with his girlfriend. He's had clearly, I'm sure, had drinks. Yeah, and he's not in a position to regulate the ship. Yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> it's it's like it's the industry that's a problem. It's the people that are you know we don't want to we don't want to paint the, the, the all the folks who work on these ships with no. a, with a with a bad brush but it's uh it, there seems to be no oversight on that whole issue either so it's it's a layer well, upon layer of if there was somebody independent on that ship mm. and, yeah and there was drinking involved with the crew members and they have bars on the ship for the crew members can you imagine a ship's going down and and a large percent of the uh, uh crew members are at the bar <laughs> and, and the passengers are drunk. Well, if the ship was going down, you know, in all honesty, I'd I'd probably just run to the bar myself. Cause, uh, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be my last resort. Of, yeah. Well, if that's your last resort, but but <laughs> you know, let's say a ship gets in trouble at night, the passengers are drunk. Mm. A certain percent of the crew members are drunk. It's, it's just chaos. Yeah, we talked about the shortage of uh, medical uh, professionals. God help you if they're drunk. So, yeah, you know, just don't. I just don't know what. Well, all all we can do is is all we we can do, and I'm talking about myself, is is to tell the story. And Rockefeller clearly last week told the story. You can't draw too many conclusions, Mm -hmm. other than there's a major problem. If you listen to that hearing last week, and and we'll always be indebted to him for doing that. Yeah. And and we just hope that he's able to, you know, carry this plan out that he's got of of getting this thing done. Uh, because now, we, you know, to start over with a new Congress is not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be, it's it's it'll be it'll be a challenge. And folks, if you you know if you want to follow this along, first of all, as I said. Go to the C-SPAN page. We have links all over Banal of America to it. Go and check that out. Watch. You're gonna want, if you want more information on all this, listen, we just talked about, uh, you know, Laurie Dishman's story. We talked about Amanda Butler's story. We talked about Paul Gerson, the attorney who represented the 15-year-old girl, and, and Kim Ware, who was stranded on the ship for four days. Go to the link. Go to the C-SPAN page that has the hearings and, and hear it from them. Hear their stories right from their own mouths, and and if you're not horrified and moved to, uh, at the very least, spread the word about this issue, um, you know, I'd be very surprised, folks, because this is some seriously powerful, powerful stuff. And uh, you know, as I said, credit to you, Ken, for for getting the getting this thing, 
you know, helping out and putting it together. I know you, uh, I know Rockefeller was the guy who really has the muscle behind all this, but you know that you're sort of the hustle behind the muscle. So, you know, credit to you, sir, for... Well, really and if, if nothing else, in addition, make sure you listen to the last 15 minutes of that hearing. Absolutely. And to what Rockefeller says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Like I said, well, it's, it's about an hour and a half, so if folks want additional material, uh, I wish they had it in MP3 form. Someone should tell uh, C-SPAN, because I would have loved to have uh, listened to it as an MP3. But luckily, I put it on my iPad and listened that way. And if you want to follow along on this story further, of course, folks, go to internationalcruisevictims.org. Uh, we're going to get cut off in a moment by the British lady, but just stay on for a moment, Kendall. I want to ask you one more uh, question before uh, we say goodnight. And if you also if you want to follow along additionally... Keep an eye on the Coast Guard Authorization Act. That's the that's the bill we've been talking about tonight. That's going to have the uh, that's going to have the Cruise Passenger Protection Act lumped into it. So uh, as we say goodnight to the live listeners, uh, I just want to thank you here now, Ken, for coming on the show. And you were concerned we wouldn't go two hours, but I have a feeling we could have gone much much longer. Uh, we we could have. <laughs> I, I always enjoy talking to you. As as sad as the as the as the material is at times, uh, you're doing amazing work, my friend. Well, thank you, Tim. And, well, and there's a lot of other people that are working on Absolutely, this. absolutely. All the great folks at the ICV, and uh, some of them, you know, like Laurie Dishman, who's a, a big player there, uh, you know, she, she contributed huge on the panel as well. So, yeah, you know, yeah, kudos to all of them. Take those people that are uh, willing to give their time daily, and that's what we've got. Yeah, and the victims who are willing to speak out. I mean, that takes a lot of guts. So, yep. you know, kudos to them as well. And thanks to the folks who tuned in on the chat room. And once again, thanks to all of our live listeners as well. Uh, on that note, I say goodnight. And there they go. All right, good. We uh, lost the live listeners. I only want to ask you one one somewhat lighthearted question, so I figured I'd do it at the end here. I, I love the Jay Leno shout-out that you guys yeah. got. That was crazy. Wasn't that good? Yeah, yeah. How did that? How did you even hear about that? Somebody sent it. Well, so I, I was at church and somebody said they saw it on the Jay Leno show, <laughs> and so I went and was able to pull it up. But no, that was terrific. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that he mentioned our group on the show. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I assume there'll be a link, Tim, that we can pick this up. Yep, absolutely. We're still uh, slightly on the air here. We're still recording, so I guess uh, I really don't have any more questions for you. I'll save any additional thoughts and stuff that come up next time I talk to you, because I'm sure we're going to be talking again. And please, Ken, anytime you need anything, please, please, please get in touch. If something happens, if there's a break in this whole thing, you know, shoot me an email, give me a call, you got my number, we will go on the air ASAP and, uh, you know, get to the bottom of this and get the word out to people and, and spread the word about what's going on. So I, I want to be as much on top of this story as possible, because I think it's just something that needs to be talked about, and, and it's always a thrill when I get you on the show. Thank you, Tim. All right. Have a good night, my friend. I'm going to just do some plugs now, and uh, we will close out the program. Folks, you're listening to Banal of America. If this is your first time hearing the program, you want to punch in banalofamerica.com on the web. That will bring up a huge archive of programs. You spell that simply B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America. Com. We're also on Facebook. Just punch in Banal of America on Facebook. What you just heard was a compelling two-hour live conversation with Kendall Carver of the International Cruise Victims Organization, and it was absolutely free 
That costs me money, my friends. So we ask you to help us out via donations. You can do so by donating at PayPal, which you can get the linkage to at Banal of America, or to our P.O. Box. You can get the address to that also at Banal of America, right next to the PayPal button. On the next edition of BOA Audio, I have a specific guest in mind, but I have not set it up yet, so I cannot really plug it. I should say, I haven't done a tape show in forever, which is kind of surprising, but I'm really enjoying these live programs, so I'll be probably doing another live edition of the show. I'm going to try and set it all up and have word about that at the BOA Facebook page, ASAP. And I guess uh, I, I, I was kind of rambling here about not doing the tape shows in a long time. It doesn't give me the opportunity to do these rambles at the end of the program, which I do kind of miss, and uh, listener feedback as well, just to give you sort of a state of BOA audio uh, dissertation on what's going on with us. Since I got back from vacation in Vermont, I've really been driven to want to do programs that are with guests that I really want to talk to. I really don't want to do shows for the sake of doing shows. I want to do shows with guests that I find their stories compelling, I find their research compelling, and I want to get them on the program to share their information with the BOA Audio listeners, really sort of rededicate myself to just bringing on the guests that I really want to talk to. So that's the kind of stuff you're going to be hearing as we close out Season 8. I believe we have five more episodes to come heading towards the season finale. Tonight's episode, an absolute barn burner, and I cannot thank Ken Carver enough for coming on the show. Internationalcruisevictims.org is the website. And with all that said, my friends, thank you once again for making BOA Audio a part of your esoteric audio playlist. Until next time, this is Tim Benall, thanking you for listening and signing off.